St. Leo 360, a 360 degree overview of the St. Leo University community. Hello and welcome to another episode of the St. Leo 360 podcast. This is your host, Greg Lindbergh. Here on this episode of the podcast, we are speaking about the Daniel A. Cannon Memorial Library here at St. Leo University. And to help us do so, I'd like to welcome Dr. Doris Van Campenbright, who is the university librarian in the Daniel A. Cannon Memorial Library here at St. Leo. Dr. Van Campenbright, welcome to the podcast. Thank you. It's a pleasure to be here. Absolutely. I appreciate your time. So let's kick off the conversation here, uh, answering a question that I'm definitely curious about. Uh, Who exactly is Daniel A. Cannon? Daniel A. Cannon uh, was actually the husband of Mrs. Elizabeth Cannon who was, um, it was a local family, ranching and uh, farming. And they had uh, quite a bit of land in the area. And he died fairly young. Um, He was a 1938 graduate and class salutatorian um, of St. Leo University. And his widow donated um, $500,000 towards the expansion of the library in 1985. Oh, wow. So definitely many years later after he graduated. Yes. And that, that money was used to expand the library and put on the second floor of the library uh, and make room for larger print collections as well as computer lab space. And so we have a lot to thank the Cannon family for. We really appreciate that donation. Absolutely. That's awesome. And what a great little story as well, just of our alumni, you know, giving back to the university. And then let's also just get into uh, the, you know, brief history of the library, you know, in terms of uh, development and how it's grown over time and anything you'd like to mention as far as the history of the facility. Well, the library has a pretty interesting history. Because as you know, St. Leo started as um, something besides a university. And so uh, in the 1920s, the collections were founded uh, actually before the 1920s by some of the founding families of St. Leo. And those collections were housed in the men's monastery and were the core of the collection. It wasn't until 1958 that the library had its own building. Wow, very interesting. So many years later, obviously. Yes. So the library was formally established in 1890. And uh, the first few books were a paper-bound octavo set of Dickens' work contributed by Abbot Charles Moore. And there were obviously other books donated at around the same time, with the collection being heavily weighted at that time to religious works and government publications. I see. Very interesting. And then I know you did mention, uh, you know, back in the 80s, it sounds like uh, the the library did expand in terms of size as well. Yes. So the library started back in 1890. And then from 1890 to 1958 was housed at the men's monastery. Um, You know, the the men and women religious of St. Leah were very involved and very instrumental in the life and history of the university. And it was through their dedicated efforts that many of the resources were first uh, 
established, providing the foundation for later growth. And so the, the library started uh, similarly by donations from some of the founding families and founding monks. And so we have to be really grateful for everything they um, built across St. Leo. Absolutely. And everything we've been able to preserve since then is, uh, you know, pretty amazing. So I did want to give you a chance to just kind of introduce yourself as far as your background and then also speak about your role as university librarian. Oh, well, um, yes. My, uh, my name is, as you know, Dr. Doris Van Campen Bright, and I'm in my 21st year here at St. Leo University. Um, I really have enjoyed the time I've had here. It's been very much a blessing. I started uh, part-time as a consultant uh, for the library when they were moving from one computer system to another computer system, and they needed someone to do the migration. And at the time I was working on my doctorate and thought, well, this is going to be a great place to, you know, land for a few years. People are very nice. Uh, it's not that far from home. It's less than an hour at the time. And I don't think I'll be here more than just long enough to finish my doctorate. Well, it's 21 years later and I'm still here because St. Leo is such a unique and special place. Um, I've held a lot of different roles in the university library over that time period. And my most recent role is as the head of the library. Wow, very cool. And then so how long have you been in your current position? I've been in my current position for four years. I see, very nice. And uh, let's also talk about uh, just the library staff in general and kind of you know the, the team that you have assembled there. We have a great library team at the university. We currently have um, two writing faculty who are here to support our students and faculty in their writing efforts. And they, they don't edit works of any kind, whether it's faculty or student works. What they do is they help you grow as a writer. So even I today, even though I've got more than 30 publications to my name, even I will sometimes say, hey, can you take a look at this? Because I'm struggling with uh, this section. I don't feel like it flows that well. And you know, they'll give me some feedback and say, you're right, you need a transitional sentence here. You're using a lot of really long sentences. You're getting a little wordy, things like that. So even though I feel like I'm a fairly accomplished writer, even today, they are great big help to me. And for students who are kind of just starting off in their um, efforts to grow as a writer, they, we have two amazing team members who are definitely very helpful for students, whether they're just starting out and formulating their ideas, whether they need to understand better what a thesis statement is, they're not quite sure what an annotated bibliography is, they can help with all of that. And then our librarians complement the whole research and writing process. We have 11 library faculty. Uh, several of them are dedicated to our online students. And then we also have our university campus librarians and a center librarian. So you can find us um, embedded in many courses and uh, visible and available online through chat. We love to interact with our students and love hearing from our students um, and how they're doing and how their grades are doing. Um, 
we can help them wrestle with, you know, going from a really broad topic such as global warming to something more narrowly focused and that they can write a reasonable paper on. So for example, in the global warming paper topic for the global warming class, they have to write, you know, a, a culminating paper at the end of that class. And it counts for, you know, a reasonable amount of that grade. So they can say, oh, well, global warming, that's a huge topic, right? But you can break it down and say, okay, well, let's just talk about how global warming is affecting crops in Florida or how global warming is affecting seagrasses that feed our manatees in the springs of Florida. There's all kinds of ways you can kind of wrestle with it and get it to a much more manageable piece of the apple. Instead of trying to eat the apple whole, you take manageable bites out of the apple. And we could do that, we could help students with that for all of their classes, help them understand how to narrow and focus their research in a way that's interesting to themselves, but also meets the criteria of the class. Right, oh, I see. And that's such a great point. Uh, I think with libraries, a lot of times, you know, a student walks in and they're just overwhelmed by the number of resources and everything available to them. And the fact that you guys really work one-on-one, -on -one, you know, like you said, to help students narrow the research and really hone in on exactly what they're looking for is, is wonderful. Yes. And a lot of our faculty require that you use peer review resources. And we can help steer the students towards those resources in whatever field they're in, whether it be our new nursing program or our robotics program, we can really assist and support our students. And so we, we don't want them to feel lost in the library, whether they're online or in person. We want them to feel like they can approach us and we are available for them. Exactly. Very well stated. Let's dive a little further into the resources uh, that are available to students, uh, you know, whether it's print books, digital, uh, you know, information, digital resources. Just kind of give me an overview of everything that's actually available and out there uh, for students. Okay. Well, this is going to make someone feel like information overload. <laughs> So after just talking about the fact that, you know, they, they can feel kind of lost in the number of resources we have because we have 134 databases, anywhere from uh, PubMed, which is published by the National Library of Medicine, to EBSCO, uh, Criminal Justice Abstracts, Full Text, PsycInfo, Psych Articles, Social Index. We have some nursing resources. We have just so many resources. So it is easy to begin to feel a little lost inside of those resources. And again, reaching out to us to assist you and support you is sometimes the best way. Instead of spending an hour or two hours flailing around, hoping that you're locating the right resource, if you reach out to us, we can help you usually in just a few minutes to locate the correct resource and the appropriate types of um, information that you're looking for. So we do have a more than 500,000 ebooks. Wow. And um, about 175,000 print volumes. So, again, you can feel kind of lost when you start talking about those big numbers. But we are here to help you every step of the way. Our building is, is fairly small, actually, for an academic library, it's only three floors. Our circulating collection is on the top floor, and it's a great place to study and look out over the lake and hang out with your friends. We don't look at this space as simply a place to study 
or use the resources, it's also a great place to hang out with your friends. The library is no longer just a really quiet, studious place. Shh, no, it's, it's there for you to use as a place, as a, as a gathering point uh, for your friends. Yes, we don't want you to get super loud and rambunctious and play football, but uh, which has happened. I have found people playing Nerf ball once or twice, <laughs> but uh, we do want you to feel like this is your place and your space to come and study and meet with your friends and, you know, be a little bit social as well. We really enjoy seeing our students and seeing them in our spaces. We also have uh, two computer classrooms and a computer lab. We have uh, two sleep pods available for use by our students, especially our commuter students who might not have other spaces around campus where they can rest and relax. And they can be here long hours. And currently our hours are that we are open until midnight, um, Sunday through Thursday. Fridays and Saturdays, we have shorter hours because we know students need downtime too. So we close at five o'clock on Saturday and Friday. Gotcha. And yeah, I'm so glad you mentioned the views, you know, that, that students can get uh, from the library of the lake and the fact it's also just a, a nice community gathering spot. And, you know, like you said, the kind of that stereotype of a library is a place where you have to be very quiet and serious. And there's so much more to it than that. No, you can bring drinks in. You can bring friends in. Uh, you can bring some food in. We, we discourage pizza and other kind of bug attracting foods. Uh, but, you know, we don't mind if you're having a snack in the library. That's not the issue. The issue is to just kind of not have a snack that attracts pests. Exactly. Yeah. And then a little more on technology. I understand that there are laptops available to students as well. Well, currently, um, Do It is in charge of the laptop lending program. And so currently, if a student needs to uh, borrow a laptop for a semester or some other time limited period, they would go to uh, do it to do that. We used to do laptop lending for short periods of time, like seven days. Um, but with the pandemic, it became clear that that wasn't really the best use of that resource. And so uh, do it has taken it over and they uh, can rent laptops, I believe for a semester at a time rather than us loaning them out for seven days. Because quite frequently students would come back and say, well, my laptop's not fixed yet, or it was unfixable. I need another seven days. And then I need another seven days. And, um, you know, it was kind of meant as a stopgap solution. And so um, that currently has been handed over to do it. And that may change as, as things change, but currently we don't have laptops to loan. We do have desktop uh, computers situated throughout the library. We have about 110 of them available for use. Gotcha. And certainly Wi-Fi, I'm sure, is available across the library. Yes. Yes. And we have printing. It's, um, you know, it's the new Xerox printers, Find Me, which is quite convenient. You swipe your card. And uh, the print job will appear on whatever printer you're using in the building. Right. Very neat and very convenient. Uh, if you just want to touch on a little more about uh, as far as academic support services. Uh, so, you know, I, I would imagine no matter the program that a student's enrolled in, uh, the library can support uh, all students, undergrad, grad, correct? 
Correct. We support undergraduate, graduate, doctoral level students. We can assist with thesis writing. We can assist with dissertations. We can assist with uh, freshman writing. We can assist with freshman searching. You know, we currently have, um, I'll just kind of give an example. We had a doctoral student contact us recently in the education department, and she was looking for some very specific materials that we did not have, but we know we can get them through interlibrary loan, which is where we contact other libraries and say, we need access to this publication, whether it's a book, um, a journal article. We've gotten things from Africa. We've gotten things from Alaska. So we can get it even if it's not on this continent, usually. Once in a while, we'll have a problem, but it's rare. And we, in return, do the same thing. We loan out our collections because we have some fairly esoteric things that are kind of unique to a Catholic institution. So even the Library of Congress has on occasion contacted us and asked us for something. But yes, we can definitely help a student, doesn't matter what their program is. We have librarians who can assist with their search terms, their topics, um, anything that they are in need of that's related to projects or papers. Uh, we will either have the availability to assist them or on occasion, we will refer them to someone else. But normally, because sometimes it's a question that they ask us that really only their faculty member can answer. And so sometimes we have to say, you know, that that's, we can help you in this general way, but you're asking a very course specific question. So sometimes you have to refer back to your professor and talk to them for that. But we are definitely here and available to assist our students. Right. Oh, I see. That's wonderful. I know you did briefly mention, uh, you know, as far as staff who support online and education center students uh, who we have. And if you could just elaborate a little bit more on that support and, uh, you know, what students who are not at university campus can really expect uh, from the library. Well, the library has a chat feature on its website. Um, we average about 800 chats on an average month. We can do Zoom sessions with our students. We can, so sometimes a student will contact us and say, I, I'm really struggling with this assignment in my course. And I need help with this assignment, do, you know, finding the right resources. And when we've chatted back and forth, you know, maybe for a minute or two or three, and we realize this is going to be a more in-depth conversation that they might not want to do simply by chatting. We'll usually ask the student, would you like to do a Zoom session? We can either do it now or schedule it for when it is convenient for you. And usually you will continue working with the same person that you initially chatted with. Once in a while that doesn't work, but normally it does. And then we will you know, get into Zoom and we will share our screen or have the student share their screen and we will walk them through the search process and help them kind of help themselves understand the process so that they don't feel so um, lost and so that they have more confidence for the next time. Because that's what the whole goal is, is to really help our students to be confident in their capabilities and capacity to answer whatever life throws at them, even when they leave St. Leo. We still have alumni who contact us who have gone on to other 
you know, other things, either careers or colleges for grad school in a, an area that we might not offer something like law school. And they'll contact us and say, hey, you guys have been so much more helpful than the place I'm at now. Would you mind helping me now? Or they'll contact us and say, hey, I'm, I'm in this job and my boss has asked me to do this research and Google's not cutting it. Can you help me now? And we're like, of course we can. You know, you're still our student, even if you've graduated. You're still, you're still part of St. Leo and we want to be there for you. So yes, we can help a student um, from the time they get here until well after they leave. We will uh, at least guide them to the right resources if we cannot get it directly for them. But we normally can get things for our students and sometimes even our alumni. And we do have a reputation of being there and caring for our students. We have two online librarians dedicated to just primarily our online students, whether they're graduate or undergraduate. We have another nine librarians who work both online and in person. Um, and so we are there pretty much seven days a week to assist. We, we are not uh, open, you know, obviously 24 seven, but even if we're not open at the time, you might email or call at like two or three in the morning. If you leave a message or use the Lib Answers form, we are usually back to you within 12 hours or less. Wow, that's really, really amazing, I must say. And I hand it to your team, uh, you know, for that dedication and being there for everybody. Yeah, I have an amazing team. I do. I have an amazing team. Absolutely. And then just a little more on students uh, who are off, you know, university campus. I understand that you will mail materials and that you also do partner with some of the local uh, local libraries out there. Yes, we you do have the ability to contact us. And if it's a print book in our collection, we are happy to mail it to you. And then what happens is we put a mailing label inside of the box we send it to you or inside of the envelope. And then you take that label pay the postage and send it back to us. So anything we have in our print collections, we can usually get it to you. If it's a print journal article, we can scan it and email it. If you just need a chapter out of a book, you might not wanna pay postage for one chapter. We can scan and send that one chapter to you and have it to you a lot more quickly than the mail. We can't scan entire books, um, but sometimes we will get a request from a student to, to ask if we can purchase a book as an ebook. And we do our best to try and do that as well. So we have grown our collection of eBooks uh, by what they call patron-driven acquisitions, where the students or the faculty say, hey, we really could use access to this book. Can you get it as an eBook? Sometimes we can, sometimes we can't. Um, textbooks are much harder to get as eBooks. The vendors don't necessarily allow access to textbooks, but a lot of other things for supplemental research we can. And yes, we do partner with other academic libraries where our centers are located. Um, and you can also ask for if your local academic library allows for community borrowing privileges, but charges a fee for that. We also uh, will supplement and pay for that community patron card up to a limit. Oh, wow. Very cool. I know that the library does uh, host a number of events, you know, throughout the academic year. And I've actually had the chance to attend uh, some poetry readings, whatnot. 
Uh, some really cool events. I guess if you want to just give an overview of some of the events that you guys offer. Well, we did a Band Books Week uh, pop-up checkout that was back in October of 2021. Basically took the some of our print books that had been banned at various times in their uh, printed lives. And we, so like Uncle Tom's Cabin, Tom Sawyer, probably everyone knows those have been banned. Fahrenheit 451 has been banned. Harry Potter has been banned. So they might not necessarily have been banned in Florida, but they've been banned somewhere in the United States or elsewhere. We took a collection of about 100 books over to the cafeteria during Banned Books Week, and we checked out 50 of them in two hours. We thought that was an amazing uh, result. We've had poets come to the library. We've had um, musicians come to the library. For Halloween, we had a paint a plate and listen to an open mic night. So people could get up and read an excerpt from a ghost story or tell a ghost story. They could read uh, something from one of the books we provided if they just felt like reading something that was already available. So we had Ambrose Bierce and some of the other, you know, fairly well-known ghostly authors. And so that was a, a pretty big hit. We thought that went well. We have had um, for Monsters and the Monstrous Literature course, some of the on-ground students came into the library and dressed up for that. And that was kind of fun that, you know, they came in dressed up as their favorite monster from the literature. So that was kind of a, a neat thing. And we've had some fairly well-known national authors and poets come and speak. Some of them have come online. Some of them have come in person. We had the author of The Gulf, uh, a book about the history of the Gulf of Mexico. He was here in 2020 and that went really, really well. We had more than 150 attendees for that. And we paired with uh, a couple of departments during Black Lives Matter, uh, you know, a few months ago. And we paired with them on that topic and hosted uh, an event on that. And that went really well as well. Sure. And I love just the variety of, you know, ideas and events and everything. It's kind of going back to what you were saying about how, you know, the library is, is a community, essentially. And I think these events kind of underscore that uh, that theme. You know, it's it's a place for people to gather. And obviously reading research is a huge part of it. But it's, it's so much more beyond that. Yes, it is. Our Recharge with Reading um, clubs. We have Double Dog Dare You. We have uh, Hispanic authors. We have, we, we have a number and variety of groups that could be joined. Uh, we also have one group that is online in Lion's Share. And I know Lion's Share is uh, taking a hiatus for a month or two, but when it comes back, we are assuming that we will have that book discussion club going again inside of uh, the new Lion Share platform. In that one, you can read whatever you want and post about it in that group to say, hey, I'm reading about, because the, the topic is community. So you say, hey, I'm, I'm reading this book and it's related to community in this way. Sure, very cool. Okay, and then just to wrap up here, uh, as far as contact info, if you'd just like to go ahead and provide the contact info, how students or even prospective students uh, can reach the library. Students and prospective students can email us at library at com. They can call us at 
359-5945. They can drop in and see us. We'd love to see you in person if you're visiting the campus and taking a tour. We always love to see our tour groups and individual students as well who are kind of just kicking the tires, checking us out. St. Leo is an amazing place and, and definitely you should come and kick the tires and see us. Absolutely. And I know I've spoken to a number of uh, current students and alumni, you know, who, who saw some of those views outside the windows of the library and that really sold them to attend. So, you know, if, if nothing, that alone is a great selling point. It is. We have a great view from the second floor and the first floor of the library. Basement, there's really no view other than at the emergency exit. But there's, there is really nice views out the others. And you can even see the discus golf uh, station. There's one right behind the library and one on the side of the library. Oh, cool. Very neat. All right. Well, again, we've been visiting with Dr. Doris Van Campenbright, uh, who is the university librarian here at St. Leo University. And uh, Dr. Van Campenbright, really appreciate the time and insight. And thank you so much for joining us here on the podcast. Well, thank you for inviting me. It's so great to spend a few minutes talking about a subject that I love. I love libraries. I grew up in libraries in some ways because we lived next door to one when I was tiny. And that was what our parents would do to keep us busy. <laughs> so I, I love libraries and I would love to pass that passion on to others because they're amazing places with amazing people who have, you know, dreams and ideas, and they're just great places to hang out and get to know people. Absolutely. Such a unique place, unique environment. You know, it's, it's just such an amazing uh, place to be, for sure. All right. Again, thank you so much, Dr. Van Campenbright. It's been a pleasure. Thank you very much. To hear more episodes of the St. Leo 360 podcast, visit stleo.edu forward slash podcast. To learn more about St. Leo's programs and services, call 877-622-2009 or visit stleo.edu.